If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC. Member SIPC. Los mejores viajes nacen en la carretera, pero este comenzará en tu mente. ¿Escuchas ese rugido? ¿Sientes la experiencia de poder? ¿La emoción de la libertad? Ya estás preparado para vivir tu nueva aventura. Nueva Ram 1500, hecha para vivir. Ram es una marca registrada de FCA US LLC. Of the independent power producers, uh, today marks the deadline giving to government to pay up at least 30% debt or the IPPs or risk power cuts. The Chamber of the Independent Power Producers, in a memo, has already directed all of its members to shut down their plans from July 1 to July 8. If government fails to pay up, uh, and of course, join News is lending, government is locked up in a meeting with leadership of the IPPs to negotiate a way out. Fortunately, we've been joined now by James uh, Avegi, who's my colleague, monitoring the uh, developments as we speak. Now, James, uh, let's talk about, uh, first of all, this directive coming through from the IPPs. July 1 to July 8. What's accounting for the directive? Yes, yeah, so the, you know that the IPPs are demanding that government pays them at least 30% of their debt owed them to the tune of some 1.73 billion Ghana cities. Now, in the course of the negotiation, the chamber is uh, the one leading the negotiations on behalf of the, uh, all of the IPPs. And then it got to a point where we saw um, a directive or an invitation from government that it wants to meet the individual IPPs, not negotiation on the basis of the chamber. And so it is from that um, uh, invitation that the chamber gave that memo on two things. One, 
uh, to remember the resolution they have taken as a chamber as they are walking into that meeting and uphold that uh, in the course of the negotiation. Then the other issue was that they, uh, if all negotiations fail, government uh, decide not to heed to that, then they will do a phase one of the shutdown, which will be from tomorrow to the 8th of July. So that's, that was the basis of the directive. So how about the meetings taking place today? What do we know? So uh, as we are speaking, uh, what we know is that that meeting is still ongoing. We pick the signal as our, around 11 a.m. that that meeting has started between the government and the IPPs as a group. And so the initial individual negotiation was from 27 to yesterday. And today they are meeting them as a group led by the ECG, who is the government negotiator or leading the negotiations mm. in this. And so what we are learning is that in some uh, few hours, that meeting will end. Right. And then uh, the conclusion of that meeting will determine whether power stays on or power goes off. Now, what we're also picking up is that in those individual negotiations, some of these IPPs have accepted a deal with government. In fact, we are told that they have accepted some amount of payment from government as well. And so what it means is that what we are not clear with is how much exactly government has paid these IPPs. But what it means is that if at the end of the day, uh, they resolve to put power off. These individual IPPs who have accepted this payment are not going to shut down, which means right. that not all of them will be shutting down. Uh, we are also expecting another meeting at 5 p.m. after government meeting, this one between the individual uh, IPPs themselves. Mm. So they'll be making their position known on Exactly. This after this meeting, then we'll get an official position from them, whether the light, they are going to shut down operations or not. Okay, fingers crossed. Uh, James Kluter Averji there uh, with, uh, sorry, James Averji, I should say, uh, with the latest on what's happening as far as the um, energy sector is concerned. Thank you, James. But we know that in Parliament, the minority is uh, sending out a a passionate appeal to the independent power producers uh, to rescind their decision uh, to shut down the plants as they fear the country uh, could be plunged into total darkness. Here is a minority spokesperson on energy, John Jinapo. Indeed, the Mines and Energy Committee met the independent power producers over the weekend. The situation is indeed dire. We are on the brink, and if nothing is done, the independent power producers who shut all their plants, bearing in mind that these IPPs constitute about 70%, to be specific, 67% of thermal power produced in Ghana. So a shutdown of their plants would mean that this country would experience massive load shedding, massive blackouts, massive doom so that has not been experienced before. Or when 50% of the total power produced is taken out, your guess is as good as mine. I have spoken to former President Mahama, and he has indicated that on his behalf, I should make a passionate and humbling appeal to these independent power producers that for the sake of this country, he's making a passionate appeal to them to reconsider their decision 
towards shutting their plants on the 1st of July. That is the deadline they've given to government. And so I want to make a passionate appeal and plead with the independent power producers to give government and the nation some more time. But even as we are pleading with them, we wish to call on government to demonstrate leadership, to show commitment. And I think that the approach being adopted by the finance minister will not resolve the issue. The finance minister, instead of dealing with the chamber of IPPs, is engaged in selective payments, discriminatory payments, selecting some preferred IPPs, paying them and leaving others to their own fate. We want to call on the finance ministry and government, and particularly the president, to intervene urgently in this matter and ensure that we find an amicable solution. The debt as Well, uh, let's stay on issues relating to Ghana's debt crisis because the United Nations Development Programme is equally raising red flags over what they describe as bias on the parts of three of the world's biggest credit rating agencies uh, against some African countries, including uh, Ghana. In its uh, latest report on lowering the cost of borrowing here in Africa, the United Nations Development Programme says the continuous downgrade of Ghana's economy is based on quote, less subjective assessment, and it's costing the state and other African countries some 74 billion U.S. dollars. Uh, with this amount uh, saved, uh, it is more likely that Ghana may not uh, have signed up for the program with the International Monetary Fund. Member of the Reset uh, Desk, uh, Kofi uh, Jay, will be joining us later on. But I want to bring in now, uh, of course, Richard Kojinyako, who has also been taking a look at the document. Uh, Richard, uh, just help us to break down the issues. Uh, we'll start off first... Uh, with the ratings agencies that are being cited in this report. What does it say? Agencies cited include uh, Moody's, Fitch, Standard & Poor's, Global Ratings Agency, which are all being criticized of operating more or less an oligopoly, where a few companies exert significant control over the financial or capital market. And so these credit ratings agencies, according to the report, have a significant impact on countries' ability to access and raise capital in the international market and also provide information to investors and about the risks and opportunities associated with a sovereign borrower. We know that the president, uh, for some time now, has raised concerns over how Ghana is being shut out of the international market because of this alleged bias. What was his reason for this? And uh, we, I, I bring you the reason that the president at the United Nations General Assembly began what some describe as his campaign against what he terms as bias by the rating agencies. Just last week, he reinforced the argument with a harsh tone that these agencies that used to hold Ghana favorably in the capital market has been reckless in the recent downgrades. Comfortably and convincingly say this. Is the AU champion for African financial institutions, the leader of a country, which recently had to deal with one of the most difficult periods in its post-independent history. Difficulties which were exacerbated by the reckless behavior of rating agencies that engaged, that engaged in pro-cyclical downgrades, shutting Ghana out of capital markets and turning a liquidity crisis into a solvency crisis. Afri-Exim Afri Bank, under its counter-cyclical response mechanism, 
provided timely support to help Ghana navigate the macroeconomic management challenges worsened by Russia's war of aggression in Ukraine in an orderly manner when suddenly we realized we were alone. So this was the president raising the concern earlier. Uh, is it the suggestion from the United Nations Development Program uh, that, look, the fact is our economy is not in the best shape. So what's their suggestion? That, that Fitch, Moody's, SMP, they're not being fair to us? What's, what's really the case? There's a bit entirely. The focus is that the credit ratings agencies, home buyers and pro-cyclical ratings for the UNDP, they say must be addressed. They've been able to do away with the discretionary and idiosyncratic actions and instead implementing a consistent and publicly documented methodology and model-driven assessment of countries that with attention to regional nuances and each national economy's macroeconomic priorities. Mm. And, uh, well, on that note, I just want to bring this up because we've been speaking to the uh, regional director uh, of the United Nations Development Programme for Africa, Homa uh, Iziakonwa, and uh, here are excerpts uh, of that yet-to-be-aired interview when I sat down with her on the sidelines of the AfriExim annual meetings. It's an issue, uh, but there are ways to make finances cheaper for the continent, that's something we have to look at. And we've been looking at it at UNDP, for instance. We just did a study on uh, the cost of borrowing right. and the credit rating uh, bias that puts African countries at a disadvantage. Uh, if we can deal with that, you save $75 billion wow. uh, a year for just 16 countries that we surveyed. Are you saying this is becoming a reality? Because our president raised that during the AfriExim meetings where uh, there's this continental push for our own standards and ratings is that the solution to the problem that's part of the solution i mean you will always have uh to um participate in the international rating agencies because they you know they have a yeah, standard we can't do without them exactly yeah. but but i think that you can influence how they rate africa and it comes back to the perceptions uh, a lot of it is really perceptions. I mean, there are facts and there's a reality that you have insecurity in some cases and you have foreign exchange volatility in other cases. Yeah, don't, don't get me wrong. There are reasons uh, why all of these ratings are as bad as they are in some cases. But, you know, it's not taking into account all the data and it's also not always objective. Some of it is subjective. We know that there is, you know, this country Ghana is surrounded by um, countries that are in violent extremism situations so it must be risky you know to invest in Ghana no don't do that <laughs> you know take Ghana in its own right in terms of what it has to offer and what its potential is and do that rating based on some objective data right and if you did that many African countries will not end up in the junk basket you know and that that will help also increase investments because if you if you look at the ratings investors also are put out yes right but but i don't intend to dwell on that the, the concern here is that if you look at the facts on the ground and compare them to the ratings that we have and i'll use ghana for example because we're here we're heading for an austerity plan with the imf for instance that's a reality we're out of the market and it's because of some policy measures that did not go right. So where's the bias really uh, that you're pointing to? Well, you know, if you, if you look at um, 
and and the creating uh, the the credit rating agencies themselves will, will, will also tell you uh, that they could use more um, data uh, that is available elsewhere and that's what we're proposing that you know there's econometrics the data uh, that sometimes is not factored in um, African countries themselves need to pay attention when they are rated you know they need to review the reports and they need to put some resources into ensuring uh, that um, they bring all the information that's required you know that could perhaps influence that where that rating goes so there are things to do um, to to reduce uh, the, the bias in the rating. There is bias in the rating. We've established that. Um, but there is also a problem with Africa's policies and orient policy orientation. I think we need, we're talking more and more about policy sovereignty, yeah. that we need uh, agency in the policy environment. We need African countries that are able to own their own uh, policies and be accountable uh, for it, you know. So you're accountable to your people in terms of what regulations and policies you're adopting and how they're impacting the lives of the populations, not accountable to someone else uh, outside, uh, uh, out there, right? Um, so yes, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's um, a balance. Well, uh, let's uh, open up the conversation. Joining me now is uh, an economist uh, with GCB Capital, Courage Boutique, to, to analyze uh, this whole uh, conversation. Courage, thanks for your time. Uh, the point about how Africans or African economies are treated on the uh, capital markets has come up again because of this uh, uh, interview, which is based on the survey conducted by the UNDP. Uh, first off, do you hold the view as well that there's some sort of um, cyclical nature um, uh, by which we find some of these ratings agencies going about uh, their assessments of countries such as Ghana? Well, good afternoon to your listeners. I see a lot of reasoning and um, the argument being advanced by the unit UNDP rapidly. Um, it is the case, and it's a first argument that often. Uh, contagions in the region and not necessarily that country in question would actually be used in rating this country. For example, she made an important point about the security threats around Burkina Faso, your Mali and places like that, which also around Ghana, and how that could feed into, if you like, the political stability assessment of the country. The reality is that these agencies fall, follow a module and I am all for transparency, publishing these models so everybody gets to see what goes into these models, the weight assigned to each of those categories, and then we can all be at peace with the ratings that come up. But that said, the African region, Ghana, and the many other countries surrounding, look at even Nigeria, for instance, with all of their economic power and oil and all of that, they are still in a debt situation that is not palatable. They are still having FS prices that until this current government, they were operating this multi-layered system. That means if you are a foreigner invested in Ghana and Nigeria, your exit from the Nigerian market, if you so wish, is not easily, uh, you cannot easily execute it because of the controls in place, really. You look at our country, Ghana, who would have imagined the level of depreciation we saw in 2022? And it has been the case, not even to the same uh, magnitude, but it has been the case of currency weaknesses uh, uh, year after year. 
year after year in Ghana, really. So it, it tells you that there are peculiar risks in our country and in our continent, really, that would mean investors would have to be cautious if they have to take the risk, uh, which probably may not exactly be the case with some very advanced countries or even if uh, in uh, developing countries, they probably might not have the same profile as us, even if things are not exactly rules in those countries. So I am for looking at countries in isolation and the peculiarities to rate them. But the fact, again, is that if you argue it's unfair, it is partly right, but there is also equally good justification for why they would rate your countries the way they rate them. Because the losses investors took in Ghana in 2022 and even in this 2023 cannot be quantified. And, and I beg to differ with the president that it was purely uh, a liquidity crisis. Yes, liquidity crisis to some extent. But there is also insolvency crisis at some point, really. These are things, so we must put the picture holistically before we make the argument. So, yeah, she makes a lot of um, um, very good arguments, uh, which, which I'm broadly aligned with. But I feel the country risk, the regional risk and things like that are also quite enormous. And as investors who are looking for the safety of their money, the ease to repatriate those monies if they need be, and then your ability to uh, uh, make decent returns, uh, you may be concerned about what rates are on offer, given the risk you are taking. And so you won't fault them a lot for the kind of rate they demand on our bonds. But, but we're still paying the price for it, isn't it? Uh, 75 billion dollars in all. Mm. Definitely, and, and, and that is per the per estimation, really. Uh, 75 billion is a lot, but it's also a good argument for macro prudence. I mean, how we manage our finances all this while, uh, the areas we accumulate every year, um, the kind of debt we contract, and how the debt we contract, what projects they go into the returns on those projects. It is my argument that if we are borrowing as an individual, as a government, as any entity, the idea is that the returns on the project you use your borrowed funds for to be able to service the debt. And that is not the case, I mean, in, in Ghana. We are running primary deficit, which means that our earnings is not even enough to take care of our non-interest expense, really. And so we even have to borrow to take care of wages and salaries for people who are supposed to be working and bringing money into the kitty. So our fiscal management is actually under question. And these are reasons we must look at it, um, um, I mean, more, more, more holistically and find ways of streamlining our expenditure and our expenses in general, fiscal framework in general. So we could manage our revenue and expenditures. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional Terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Escuchas ese rugido? Sientes la experiencia de poder? La emoción de la libertad? Ya estás preparado para vivir tu nueva aventura. Nueva Ram 1500, hecha para vivir. Ram es una marca registrada de FCA US LLC. Better, and that is where we could begin to make savings that will reduce the amount of borrowing we go for. And when we do borrow, 
it should be going into commercial projects, social projects that have immediate return or have potential of generating return in the future and not just into the, the, the recurrent expenditures that we normally borrow to feed the budget, really. I think it's not appropriate. So while we chastise these rating agencies for bias, we should also look in work for the things we haven't done right, the reason mm. they are biased against us. All right, well, and ju just before we go, uh, is it the case that you, you do not subscribe to, to the recommendation, for instance, and the need for all these global rating agencies to publish clearly uh, what their format or template is in terms of uh, either objectivity or subjectivity, what they are on the lookout for? Now, I'm fully aligned with that recommendation, and I actually made that point from the beginning. Transparency is key, so let all know what goes in where. And that is where I could independently get up and criticize the fact that I think your country risk call, maybe political risk call, is unfair. I think maybe your regional risk call is unfair. Or maybe this other metric that you are scoring based on XYZ, the parameters that go in there and say it's fair or unfair based on that transparency. As it stands, we see the overall rating, whether it's a CCC or a B or something, whatever it may be, and then outlook, and they give you some macro and then country parameters they use, but without really seeing the model and how what weight each category carries. So if that transparency is there, we can all see what goes into the model, what weight is assigned to them, then as an independent analyst, you're able to say, I think this categorization is unfair because X, Y, Z. But then as it stands now, we do not know what weights go where. And so it leaves it open to some of these criticisms, really. And, and don't get me wrong. I agree that there is some unfair treatment towards Africa and, of course, Ghana and places like that. But I also think that it's my considered view that we have played a big part in that bias against us, which is something we must begin to correct. If we entrain fiscal prudence, if we entrain good fiscal management principles, really, and we are not running the size of deficits we are running, or we are not expending the loans the way we expend them that do not generate so much in returns to service some of these debts, perhaps they might begin to look at us in a more uh, positive light. For Courage Boutier, an economist joining us on the uh, polls here. Thank you for your time. Uh, we'll now take you to the Ashanti region, uh, where barely a year after a residential uh, toilet sunk into a gallon pit, killing a woman, another house has sunk into uh, the underground tunnels created by illegal miners at Odumasi in the Asante Kim Central municipality, uh, digging beneath uh, homes for gold, has become a common uh, phenomenon in the uh, Odumasi areas, uh, with uh, residents sitting on tenterhooks with the fear of some looming cavings. Love FM Sarasa Saradonko visited the community and comes through with this report. It's been close to a year since 26-year-old Gifty Manka's toilet sank with her into an illegal mining pit dug beneath her house at Udumase. But the practice of deep pit mining in homes at Udumase has not stopped. Part of this residential facility, a few meters from where Gifty died, sank on Sunday. I will describe the Udumase township as a sinking time bomb. 
ready to explode. Now this gaping hole you see here leads underground to underground pits dug by illegal miners all across this area. Now on Sunday, this building, which is inhabited by people at the moment, sank to the ground unannounced. Boom! Just like that. And it's as a result of illegal mining underground, which is happening in the next house over there. And so people in the Udmasic area, including where we are standing close to this mosque, live in constant fear that they might be sinking down into a hole while they sleep. There were no casualties. Residents sit on tenterhooks. Through the Missouri Barbend, go with the boy and kids order them the boys alpha. So, well, no, and no. I am very scared, but I have no other choice. There are holes all around this area. They've dug almost everywhere because of Galamsey. This old woman shows me patches of cracks that developed in her room due to constant blasting by illegal miners beneath her building. She says, the building shakes when they blast the rocks with explosives, so I ask them to patch the building with cement. I am very scared because if the building shakes and collapses, I would have nowhere to go. Other residents are equally disturbed about the digging beneath homes in the town for gold. I am scared I will sink one day. When they blast the rocks, the building shakes. She says, we sometimes think we will sink and die one day. She says, there is always fear because the building shakes when something small happens. We plead with government to ask them to hold the operations. One of the mining fields can be found in this house. Our drone reveals the entrance to one of the deep pits through which miners enter to dig for gold beneath houses at Udumase. Packed with sacks of earth, this mine house is said to belong to one Alhaji Idi. A disturbed MC for Santiachin Central, Yao Kwachi, tells Love News attempts to stop the illegality have proved futile. When it came to our notice, we made an arrangement. Some of them were arrested and sent to courts. Uh, the rest that will be in the house will let you know they are not doing it. Before you realize they will be doing it at night, that order. We have put several efforts to you know, prevent these things, to stop them. It keeps going on. Uh, the attempt that we made was to, you know, pull down all those stretches, pull them down. But amazingly, some of the members within those houses they are doing are still living in that houses. We give them notices to leave there. Financing becoming a problem to pull them down. 
we are also thinking of where you are we are taking these people who are still in these houses too so that has been a challenge and, uh, we are doing everything possible now as it is we are we are making plans to you know uh, look for funds elsewhere and to pull some of them down to serve as a deterrence to the other people living around this area because it is becoming dangerous reporting for joy news erastus asaredonko Udumase, Asantiachin Central, Ashanti Region. on the conversation. Erastus Azari Donko is joining us via Zoom. Uh, also in studio, uh, we have the coordinator for the Eco-Conscious Citizens, Ola Sawa. Thank you for spending some time with us. And uh, we'll, we'll come to you shortly, um, of course, but let, let's just get underway whilst we wait for Erastus to also share his perspective with us. But this is not the first time we're hearing of the story. I recall the somewhere last year when it happened, a lot of backlash, I mean, from people watching all across the country. And we've still not found solutions to, to, to these problems. It fits into this general um, failure on our part as a country to tackle illegal mining, isn't it? Well, I mean, I just don't know what to say. We just seem to be going round in circles, round in circles, round in circles. And I keep saying that once the will is there, we will make some headway. I really can't get my head around what is going on. I don't know what we are waiting for before the um, severity of what is going on grabs us. We want mass um, um, deaths before we sit up. This is just not on. It's just not on. And the area within which it's happening, I mean, maybe we say it's all, it shouldn't come to us as a surprise. No. Yes. So why not live with it? Live with it? <laughs> I mean, I don't quite understand. Live with it. We know that what's going to happen mm -hmm. If not today, tomorrow, we're going to have casualties. And we cannot bring people back to life. We need to understand that um, this is just criminal activity. And criminal activity needs to be stopped. You cannot be recklessly digging around, knowing very well, and just being unconcerned about the fact that people's homes could cave in, you could kill them, because of a few bucks. When did Ghanaians become so... Um, greedy, mm. that they didn't care about their fellow men. What are the chiefs doing? What are the authorities doing? What are the people themselves doing? They have to come together and resist because it's their lives that are at stake. But, but the, the feeling too is that, is, is this not happening because maybe it's a ripple effect? Of course, many within the community see how um, some of, quote-unquote, these illegal miners come into the community and get out with a lot of gold, a lot of cash. And they go score free. So why not do it at home? I, it, could it not be a ripple effect of See, the broader we, challenge we have? I mean, the broader challenge yes. is that um, illegality goes on with impunity. The people engage in it seem, mm -hmm. seem, and I'll use the word seem to be prospering. And others are saying, I want a share of that. But we have to be a little bit of, do a little bit of forward thinking. What exactly is it that is going on? A few people may be making money, but generally, people are losing their lives, losing their homes, health concerns, and so on and so forth. So is it really a question of making money, or is it a question of penny-wise and pound-foolish? If you're looking at the net gains, are they really there? So what, why doesn't the community come together and say that, look, this um, criminality yeah. is not doing us any good? Our homes are under siege, our lives are under siege, and it really has to come to an end. It really cannot go on. Can, can we hold the security agencies to account on this? Because the location and, and where these operations take place, 
it will be quite difficult to find out if anything is going on. Well, I mean, when these illegal miners are coming, the, uh, the security agencies, or at least the community, knows that they are not part of the community. Yes. There are people coming. So what is being done about it? This can be nipped in the bud at various stages. The security agencies, the chiefs, the people themselves, we need to sit up and say no. We don't want you in our community because what you're coming to do is not to our benefit. Therefore, either stop what you're doing or go elsewhere, but we shall not tolerate you within our community. I think if more and more communities begin to say no, because when they are coming... No, but I'm asking the yeah. question because of the location and where you find this happening. Some digging the pits right in their bedroom or in their rooms. Yes. Finding out will be difficult. Well, I mean... I'm not quite sure that yeah. it will be, it might not be the easiest yes. thing, but mm-hmm. it will not be completely um, impossible to find out because the repercussions are felt. So obviously, um, once they start digging, mm-hmm. you can see in other places that cracks are um, unfolding and so on and so forth. But what I'm saying is that when you find these people coming into the area, we know then that something is about to happen. What are we doing about it? I'm just saying that it's a difficult situation, but I don't think it's impossible to tackle. And I know that in some areas, the, um, the town folks yeah. have their uh, anti-illegal mining teams. We try and nip what is happening in the bed. But yes, if somebody is digging in their bedroom, it's going to be very difficult to find out. But as they are digging, the effects are, are known and what is being done about it. Okay. Uh, let, let's get to understand the science uh, surrounding this whole uh, situation where you find people mining in, in their rooms. Uh, Erastus Asari Donko was the one uh, who went into the community. Erastus, you're still with us, and thanks for spending some time with us as well. And, uh, I mean, how did you, first of all, uncover this trend within the community itself? Well, well so... Uh, the mining in homes, I don't know, say, is, is an open secret. Uh, people know about it because uh, the miners use. Rastas, are you still with us? Uh, it appears we're having some. Can you hear me? Y- yes, okay, loud and clear now. Rastas? Okay, we'll, we'll try and reconnect Rastas. Uh, the MC for the area as well. Uh, is uh, joining the conversation. Um, that's the M- MC for Konongo Odomase, uh, Robert Kwache, joining us. Uh, thank you, sir, for your time. Uh, you've seen the report as well. Uh, are you triggered by, by what's happening? Uh, yes, please. Yes, please. Uh, right, so, so what, what measures do you intend to take to, uh, to, to, to tackle this challenge? Uh, in fact, as I speak to you now, uh, this has traveled to the Regional Security Council, and there's a serious committee set up to look at the best way to solve this once and for all. But as it stands now, you know, they started this, this in-house mining long time ago. The pits have been there long time ago. So now, those affected buildings that we think that it, it creates serious problems for us, in fact, a decision has been taken with the regional NADMO and the municipal security council to pull those structures down to, to, to prevent any serious disaster yeah. happening. So, so you knew about these challenges all this while? These challenges? Yes, it has ex- existed. Several efforts have been made. Some have initially were arrested, taken to... And then it became a halt. Nobody was doing it. But because the host, those that we identify, some we do cover them, later you realize that they have 
at night. It's a difficult situation. In fact, it's a very difficult situation. Is that to say that you are overwhelmed by what's going on in the community and that you're running out of control? It is, it is, not, it is not easy. It is very, very, it's a difficult thing that we are. Because we fought them several times. You go, you run, the next time you... You, I, you can't understand. There has been several stakeholders meeting, traditional leaders together with the assembly who call the owners of this house. You can't understand that. In fact, the attempt that has kept us not pulling these, most of these structures down is that in as much as these things are going on, some of them are still living in, in the houses. And the challenge is that where are we even going to place these people? In fact, our mind is supposed to do these things. You saw a shaft over there, which is, we belong to the, the mining company. They are supposed to prevent, protect these things. And all these things are, you know, very worrying. I've been in office for one and a half, uh, close to two years now. But these things have existed a long time ago. It's a serious issue. Okay, well, why, why not lock down the area and do a thorough audit or search of what's Some happening? Some of the, in the areas, area. not just that area alone. Most of the areas have been locked down. Dangers are there. Nobody is allowed to go there. At night, you will not realize. Before you realize, they'll call you that people have jumped into the places going to do that. You go there, you run away. Uh, is, that not, is that not questioning your authority or your, I mean, responsibility as, as MC for the area? Like I told you, we do arrest some of them, put them before court, like that. They go, others, other family members are there, not willing to. The best thing is what we have decided to do, pull down those structures because we will not wait for disasters to come. When the place becomes very open, when somebody's going there, we all know. Now we are fortunate that the oil mines, uh, the, the, the regional security, together with the NISEC, have set up a committee to look for a lasting solution to solve this in once and for all. Mm. So, so when, when will that feedback come from the Regional Security Council? On the... Hello? So when is the Regional Security Council deciding on what to do, what, what the next steps will be? I think that we are having the first meeting on this Tuesday. Today, for instance, some of the structures have been pulled down. Okay. Sure. So, so what's next? We are waiting for the final decision that will come after the, 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 the oh. regional security council together with the traditional authorities and then the, the new set. All right. Okay. Uh, thank you for joining us. That's the MC for uh, Konongo Dumase joining us thank on the you, phone. Uh, Erastus, you're also with us. I was asking you earlier about what happens in the community and how come, of course, as the MC is saying, uh, authorities are not able to effectively tackle the problem. And they unmute for me, Erastus. So let me paint a picture for you. It's like dry um, and then uh, the, the building that is next to your official uh, building, uh, somebody uh, goes in there, digs a hole, uh, and enters from there and starts digging under dry for gold. And so he digs all over and has a tunnel that leads to other houses uh, downstream, uh, west, east, and coast. And so all the buildings in Kukumlimli are hanging mm. like that. that. That is the situation at Lutumasi. And so you can count about, the other time we counted about five houses that have uh, entrances leading down uh, underground, where they enter and they start digging beneath houses uh, for gold. And so, 
the situation has been there. A lady has died out of it. Uh, she just went to attend to nature's call in her own home, and the toilet sank deep into the uh, pit. They used excavators to dig her out. And that's just a year. Uh, today, another house has sunk. Los mejores viajes nacen en la carretera. Pero este comenzará en tu mente. ¿Escuchas ese rugido? ¿Sientes la experiencia de poder? ¿La emoción de la libertad? Ya estás preparado para vivir tu nueva aventura. Nueva Ram 1500. Hecha para vivir. Ram es una marca registrada de FCA US LLC. In the same manner. And so, I would say that the whole place is a hanging town. In the moment, another place could sink which will kill a lot of people. Well, Aula, you, you've been listening to this account. Uh, quite a chilling one. Uh, for you know, where we are sitting now, I don't know if there's someone digging <laughs> beneath us, but, but that's a scary situation. So someone creating problems for you when indeed you, you may not even be aware of what's going on. But then as um, was said, mm-hmm. this happened, well, the MCS, yeah. and this has been going on for a long, for a long time. time now. We also asked ourselves if we be behaving like ostriches, because we know it's been going on for a long time. Some people are arrested, mm-hmm. and then maybe we need a special court to only deal with these issues. And then it just goes on and on. Last year, a lady died. So between last year and this year, what have we been doing? Do we go to sleep until the next disaster? And I think it's very chilling to hear that the whole place could just be a disaster waiting to happen. It could just take a little rain, just anything, and everything caves in. So we need to act urgently. If it's a question of evacuating the place, we do so. But the idea that there's a situation, and then we pay attention to it for a moment, mm-hmm. and then when things seem to have subsided, we, we just need. sort of forget about it. That's what has been plaguing us. We need to do and, 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 and the solution is, is a challenge. Do we lock down the entire area, in your estimation? I mean, the experts... Not myself. Yes. The experts would know what to do. But mm-hmm. again, I mean, the situation didn't develop today. Yeah. It's been developing for a period of time because we haven't nipped it in, in the bud. We all know about the saying, the stage in time yeah. saves now. We've reached where we are today. The experts will know whether we need to cordon off the area, the whole area, evacuate everybody. But for heaven's sake, we do need to take action quickly. And then there are other areas where this is happening. Let's not wait for things to escalate before yeah. we do something about it. Mm-hmm. Illegal mining is plaguing this country, and we seem to be taking things in a very uh, laid-down manner. And I want to commend in various areas the anti-Galamse, anti-illegal mining group, whether at at Asenkrom, whether at, um, (laughs) I forgot, who are trying to take action to prevent such things from going on. Because a stitch in time saves nine. Arastos, what what, what are the residents telling you about... Whether or not, I mean, the possibility of shutting down the entire area. So the residents, are, I will divide them into two groups. Uh, there are those who are directly affected by the underground mining mm-hmm. in the town, mm-hmm. and they want to speak up, but they are afraid that the other group that is doing the mining uh, will, will attack them if they do so. But I find something strange uh, this time around when the second one happened. Um, Almost everybody in the community wanted to talk about it. Now it has affected them so much, they tell me that in the night you can't sleep because they use dynamite to blast underground. Really? And it shakes the building, yes? It shakes the building. And so we counter some of the buildings that have huge cracks uh, in, in there. 
And so now they are willing to come out and they want authorities to do something about it. But there is this political twist to this whole thing. As one of them told me that uh, they were supposed to demolish a building, they can't because um, if you demolish it right now, uh, people will say that uh, as the MPP that is now demolishing their supporters' homes, mm. and so it will be used as a political capital. That is why nobody wants to go after those who are uh, doing it. But I have confirmation from the MC that this particular uh, mining within a particular house, which has gotten this one uh, coming down, they are going to pull down that uh, building. So we are looking at it uh, to see how that will go. Okay, and, and this is my fear, the, the point about next year being an election year. If nothing is done this year, bet you, I, I doubt if it will happen next year. You see, what Ghanaians need to realize is that what is happening is pure wickedness. It's pure wickedness. We need to have a cross-party solution. It's not about MPP, NDC, YWD. It's about Ghana. If people are involved in this reckless criminal activity, they can be, as was said, it's an open secret. They can be found, dealt with. We need to have courts that deals, deal with matters speedily, special courts. And if the whole area needs to be, um, to save lives, to save lives, we need to and pull down the houses. We need to do what needs to be done. But a responsible government should not be afraid of taking unpopular decisions. That will save lives. Leadership is not an easy thing. So if you aspire to leadership, you should be prepared to take unpleasant decisions for the good of the people. But aside the political cost, there's also the alternative, which will come up anytime you talk about relocating the people. Uh, the point that, well, look, if you're moving... 50 people out of the area. You need to find them a place to live. Okay, let me ask, if there's an earthquake right now, wouldn't we find a place to move the people? If we had a disaster right now, we'd find a place for them. So let's put it this way, that this is a disaster waiting to happen. And um, nobody's going to forgive us. If we saw what was happening, we stood idly by, something happens and there's a a mass loss of life. We really need to do something now. So these are excuses. We can't find a place. That is if we appreciate the seriousness of the situation. But somehow a disaster comes, we all jump up and down, and then somehow it fades and uh, we forget about it. There's no consistent dealing with the problem Mm. to make sure that it doesn't happen again. If we don't deal with these reckless criminals who are endangering lives, they've already killed somebody, they're endangering lives. If we don't deal with them seriously, we're encouraging others to continue doing what they are doing. If we were to deal with them harshly, as the law demands, they would stop. Or at least people would not be encouraged yeah. to do the same thing. Uh, and and, and Erastus, that, that, that brings to mind the issue about the decision of the Regional Security Council. Uh, what are the options on the table now? Erastus? Erastus, I was asking about the Regional Security Council, the, the issue being moved to that level. What, what are the options on the table now? Well, so I have seen a letter coming I mean, uh, signed by the Regional Minister um, calling for the setting up of a committee mm. uh, involving all the stakeholders, um, i.e. Uh, the Lands Commission, the Minerals Commission, the Environmental Protection Agency, the Assembly itself, uh, the Northern um, um, uh, gold company that is uh, who owned the concession in that area itself. And let me say that the company uh, could also be held liable because 
they own an old shaft, which is in the area that the miners are used to enter underground. And it's supposed to be cordoned off and protected. They also own uh, some pits that are unprotected. I think that they should all come together and find a solution to this. So we are yet to see how that committee will meet and what solutions uh, will be developed out of this. But I must say that whatever uh, solutions they are thinking of, this is a waiting disaster. Any moment, one of those compound houses carrying about 15 people will come down, and that will be a disaster for everybody. Okay. Erastus, thank you. Uh, we'll reconnect some uh, time later when we get updates on the story. We need to go. What will be your message to residents of the community? And, uh, I mean, at large, let's, let's feed this into our fight against Galamsey. Well, the, I've always said it's a clear and present danger. Mm. And people should not always wait till they are personally affected to do something about the situation. Mm. The residents know the people, the criminals yeah. causing this. If they have to go and arrest them all and take them to the police station, I don't know. But something needs to be done. As we've been told, there's a disaster waiting to happen. You know, it's an urgent situation. We can't waste any more time. So everybody needs to join the fight against um, illegal mining. Everybody needs to join. The chiefs, the people, security forces... MCEs, um, uh, politicians, and we must not play politics with it. Okay. It's too serious a matter. Okay. And I think what needs to happen is that the communities need to understand that at the end of the day, it's their lives that are at stake. And they can't wait for anybody. They need to take action. Right. Grateful. Aula. We'll see you again, uh, definitely, when another issue comes up. But we're just praying that government will deal with this matter urgently. Yes, indeed, we need to do that. Thank you for joining us. And, uh, uh, of course, uh, we'll be talking about the Agenda 111 shortly. Government has been giving updates on its health uh, policy. We'll get into that after this break. Please stay. You will enjoy free life insurance. Oh. Free debit card, save while you spend, and an amazing chance to double your salary. A hundred and and even more consolation rewards in the EcoBank Double Salary Promo Reloaded. We will. This EcoBank Salary Account sounds interesting. What do you think? Ayara. Uh, uh, but maybe next time, Charlie. You know what? I do go shine my shoe. Hey. Yo, myself. I do go check my BP. The new Chevy Silverado HD puts you in command. Own strength with its enhanced available Duramax 6.6 liter turbo diesel V8. Own the lake with its available advanced towing technology. And own technology with an available 13.4 inch diagonal touchscreen. The new Chevy Silverado HD. Own work, own play, own life. Learn more at Chevy.com. Find new roads. Chevrolet. I mean, the percentage of completion, and as you, the politicians, would say, um, the, the work is still in the pipeline. So just update us on, on what you've done so far. 
Have you completed one, at least one, out of any of the projects that were started? We've not completed any as okay. now. But the good news is that most of them are at various stages of completion. Mm -hmm. Some, the, the agenda one, for example, is at 61%. And we are confident that going forward, before the end of the year, we'll be able to complete it. Yeah. We have grouped the projects into eight zones okay. for easy purposes of monitoring and supervision. Okay. And um, for the zone one, we have region, central region, okay. western north region, Ahafo, and Bono region. We have 11 districts, 11 district hospitals which are under construction. And we have one regional hospital for the zone one. For zone two, we have central region, eastern region, and the western region. It also has 11 district hospitals under construction with one mm -hmm. regional hospital. Then for zone three, we have greater Accra region and the eastern region. Um, this zone has 14 district hospitals, I mean, with one regional psychiatric hospital. Then for Zone 4, we have Greater Accra again in Uti region. Then for Zone 5, we have Upper West region, Northern region, and Savannah region with 12 district hospitals and one regional hospital. Then for Zone 6, we have the Upper East region, the Northern region, and the Upper and, and the Northeast region. So Upper East region, Northeast region, and the Northern region for Zone 6. Then for Zone 7, we have Volta and Bono East with 11 district hospitals and one regional hospital. Then for Zone 8, we yeah. have Ashanti region with 15 district hospitals and one regional hospital as well as one regional psychiatric hospital. Okay. So, so what you're telling us now is that, okay, various stages of completion, that, that's the term you're using exactly for now. Exactly. And you're hopeful that all of this will be completed when? We hope that by December, mm -hmm. we would have completed about 45 of them. So that's the time. Based on? Based on the progress of the work thus far. So, for example, when you go to Trifohiman, right. you realize that the work over there is around 58.9% near completion. Mm -hmm. When you go to Ewutu Senya, the work progress is around 55.5%. And most of these have their structures even roofed. Yes, there are a lot of work to be done concerning plastering, but some of them are roofed. Some of them, too, are at the lentil mm -hmm. level. So we are confident that given the speed of work yeah. on site, mm -hmm. by December this year, we'll be able to complete and commission about 45 of them. And, and, and we need to know this. Are you aware that the president's timeline has elapsed? Indeed. Indeed. You know, we commissioned this, or we started this project with a timeline of 18 months. Mm -hmm. But given what has happened over, I mean, we are unable to do it. What we have done is to review the contracts we have had with a lot of the contractors to find out why some of the projects have delayed. Of course, it is, it is trite knowledge that some of the areas had issues with site. We couldn't get land to even commence the project. But as we speak, we've been able to resolve some of the issues. Mantma, for example, had issues of that nature. And so because of that, we put a double stack building or a story building over there. And so, yes, we accept that our timelines, we've not been able to reach them. But given the speed of work on the various sites we have visited so far, we are very confident that once we do not have challenge with money or finances, by December, we'll be able to commission about 45 of them. Okay. Why, why should we believe the assurances you're giving us, particularly when we know that you've given us the first timeline, you've gone way past that. I mean, we've gone way beyond the deadline. So why should we trust you this time around? Very that you simple, deal? based on the progress of work. Hmm. So, when you so, so is the problem from the contractors or from government? I mean, from the contractors. I've, I've maintained that mm -hmm. we've not had issues with money. Okay. 
Because when looking at the updates from the Ghana Infrastructure Investment Fund, mm -hmm. money is always available for these projects. And as a contractor, if you perform, if you build up to a certain yes. point, you present or you tender in your certificate for your money. And so money is not an issue. And given the speed of work mm -hmm. at the various sites, the 54 updates we have given mm -hmm. so far, with some of the buildings being roofed, with some at the lentil level, we are very confident that once we do not have issues with money, the contractors who have given us their word, that they are working with a high level of speed to ensure we are able to commission about 45 of them. So, so, so you're not blaming the contractors? I am saying that mm -hmm. the issue, of course, has, has had to do with some of the contractors. The reasons why they were some behind not exactly all. because right. some of them are, are far advanced mm -hmm. in what they are doing. Yeah. Some with their work, they are around 61%, others mm -hmm. a little above 50%, some a lot of them in their 60s. And so it is surprising to find out that some contractors up to today have not even done anything yet. Some, when you look at the rate of work they have done on site, it is unacceptable mm -hmm. to say the least. And so we are confident that given the speed of work that most of the contractors have done on site, that we have had a chance to inspect, to see for ourselves. We know that once there are no issues with money, they will be able to complete them by December this year. 45 of them. 45? 45. Yes. Okay, so, so that will be 45 out of 45 the... 45 out of the 88. 88. When, when do you intend to complete the rest? Next year. Next year. So the contractors are different. We have different... In fact... For one site, you could even find three or even four contractors. And so everybody has his or her target. We are confident that if we're able to complete the 45 this year, moving into next year, we'll also be able to expedite work to complete the rest. Of so, so, so the next will be done, for, I mean, the next batch, 40, about 40 of the next year. Next year, is it, all the projects are ongoing. But because some have reached, for example, Threader is at 61%. Mm -hmm. So if Threader is at 61% and another project is at 30%. It, 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 it's, it's highly possible for the work at Trader to be completed before that of the other project, which is around 30%. Okay. And so all the works are ongoing in all the eight, eight sites. And we are confident that we would complete about 45 of them. It may not be possible for us to complete and commission all of them at the same time. But we know that by December, we will be able to complete and commission 45 of the agenda. Okay, let, let, let's talk about these um, three contractors that we're learning of. Who um, are nowhere to be found. Is that the best description to use for them? Where are they and why are you looking for them? Um, I mean, government has had issues with their contract. Um, uh, there's been issues of delay. Uh, they were unable to meet construction timelines. And given the speed of work government wants, government is unable to continue with the contract with them. And so we've had to cancel the contract and reaward their contract to new contractors and as we speak all these new contractors are on site so why are you after them then if, if you've given the contract to someone else? there are issues with contractors mm. so in the clause in the contract clause there will be issues if if you have issues of non-performance mm -hmm. i'm sure there will be a clause in there for so you are sure or you know about i, it. I know there are some I, i'm asking you because you, you put out a statement that well we can't find them we don't know where they are but these are businesses that are supposed to be dealing with government so sure. <laughs> How come that you're still looking for them as of now? So we are looking for them because we had a contractual agreement with them. And once they are unable to meet those timelines, it's important for us to look for them and see what the law provides in that regard. We, we would, we would do, do, do we know the facilities um, where, which they were I mean, expected to con con construct? Uh, I mean, which areas they fall under and which of the zones that you have put in? 
I mean, uh, the, the, the zones that you've put out on the show now, do we know um, which of them, uh, I mean, which zone they fall under? No, I don't know. This. I, I only know that, for example, the Asin North construction, I mm -hmm. mean, the Asin North Agenda 101 had issues, and so we had to cancel the contract and reaward it to someone else. For the rest, I'm not too sure. Okay, so this is for Asin North. What, what, when do you intend to resume work on the Asin North? Work has begun. Okay, so you've given that to another yes, person. Exactly. So for mm -hmm. all the three contracts that have been cancelled, that mm -hmm. have been cancelled, yes. we have rewarded them and the contractors are on site. Mm -hmm. As we speak. So, so where is the Asin North contractor going to? I know he's on site. Oh, no, no, that's the, the new one. The, the, that's the new the one. Previous the previous one. Yes. I mean, it, it will be difficult for me to tell, but whatever be the case, mm. government will. So, so why are you. Okay, so the point is if you've given it to a new person, yeah. why not rather pile pressure on the new person to complete the project? That's, that's what the new person is doing. We had issues with the old contractors, mm. with these three mm -hmm. contracts that have been cancelled. Escuchas ese rugido? Sientes la experiencia de poder? La emoción de la libertad. Ya estás preparado para vivir tu nueva aventura. Nueva Ram 1500, hecha para vivir. Ram es una marca registrada de FCA US LLC. There were issues of non-performance. There were issues of timelines that were not met. Mm. There were issues of standards, performance standards that were not met. Okay. So government had to cancel the contracts mm -hmm. for these contracts to be reawarded to new contractors. Mm -hmm. And these new contractors are on site as we speak, to expedite the work. All right. Let's, let's look at the Asin North uh, area. When did you award this new contract to the contractor? I, I, I don't have these fine details, but I am aware it has been reawarded and the contractor is on site. So, I mean, how then do we believe that in, indeed you've given that to a new contractor? Because, because the paperwork have to have to speak for of itself. Of course, I can, I can solicit for the paperwork for you, but yeah. I, I know that it has been taken off the old contractor and it has been given to a new one so that we'll be able to meet the timelines. Of, as, as you mentioned, government's timeline of 18 months yes. has, wasn't been able to be fulfilled mm. because of the issues we have with contractors. And so going forward, the government has demonstrated a high level of commitment mm. to ensure that any contractor who is not working up to speed yeah. will be taking off the contract so that we'll be able to finish all these projects on time. Next year is your target of completing the entire project. Are you not doing this for the elections? Oh, not at all. We believe that it, uh, this Agenda 111 is the single, I mean, uh, what's the name, most important health infrastructure project mm. in the history of this country. And it is, it is sad to know that today as we speak, some districts do not have hospitals. Mm. And the COVID also exposed the inefficiencies in our health sector. And so government is very much committed to ensure that across the various districts that do not have district hospitals. We are able to put up this health infrastructure to serve the people over there so that when someone has to benefit from the services of these hospitals, the person wouldn't have to travel far and wide to a regional hospital. So we are committed to ensuring we are able to work on this as soon as possible. Okay. You have any final words for our viewers? Yeah, so my final words is that government has begun the updates mm -hmm. of the Agenda 111. And as we speak, 88 of these projects are ongoing. We've been able to provide updates on 54 of them, and we are confident that by end of year, we'll be able to commission 45 of them. We had issues. Some people were saying Agenda 111 is only, yeah. only a rhetoric. Mm -hmm. There is nothing. In fact, some people were confident enough to say that you can never find anywhere in this country where mm -hmm. a structure, a hospital is, is being put up mm -hmm. under Agenda 111. And so it was important for government to update the nation for everyone to see. And these are verifiable projects. Mm. You can visit 
Thread there, you can visit a Utu Senior, you can visit Ofuasi, you can visit all the others. But you haven't built, completed see, any of them. We haven't. We mm. are confident that once most of them are around 60% completion, yeah. by end of year December, we'll be able to complete 45%. Okay, so until December, it's fair for anyone to say you failed in delivering on your mandate? We have not failed. We have not failed in the sense that today, when mm. you visit all the 88 sites, mm. you would see structures, most of which have been roofed most of which are at the lentil level. And so there is something for us to lay hold on, mm. that yes, this is the Agenda 101 project, just that we've not been able to complete it. Right. That's why we are confident that going forward, we will put the contractors in check. They mm. are responsible for the work they put out there. Mm. And so once government has provided finances to ensure we're able to build on time, we don't see why okay. they will delay government and the people of Ghana of this uh, Why is it that government uh, is still waiting for this Agenda 111 projects? when we have facilities um, completed, for instance, I recall my colleague Gohimin Tewia in the Ashanti region making, um, I mean, this full report on the regional hospital that is supposed to be built for, I guess that's for the people of the Ashanti region. That facility is rotting away. You, you, you have facilities that you're building now, which you have not completed. You're hoping to complete them, 40 of them, in December, and you're letting the, the rest to rot away. I mean, government is concerned mm. with every infrastructure in this country, even the ones that were not started, that, 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 didn't, that, that we didn't start. Mm -hmm. So what government is doing is to ensure that every district would have one hospital. Of course, Confanoche, for example, we have the maternity block, 44-year-old. Mm -hmm. it, was, it was pulled down. Yeah. And when you look at the speed of work over there, it is quite amazing. Government is putting in more resources to ensure we are able to finish that on time. And so every project that is stuck in the bush or whatever, government would pay more attention. Yes, to but, but the, these are projects that are completed. It's not so you're waiting for someone which, to come which in. One, which oh, for instance, the, the one Ohiming did, I'll, I'll get the name which, for you, but it's one of the uh, hospitals, I get it's, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's one of the facilities that started under the NSWAL NDC administration. Okay. It's been finished up, uh, and we're just waiting that you open it up. In, it, it, this should be the Ashanti region, yes, correct. Well, I'm, I'm not aware. I mean, if, if we knew where the hospital was, I think it would have advanced their conversation. I'm, I'm not too sure of any hospital of this. So, if I, get, so, so if I get you the I'm name, only, if I get you the name, you'll you get us some update on I'm only, Yes, I can. We can. I mean, the next time we'll have this conversation, mm. I'm sure I'll be able to. What if I give that to you now? Yeah, I mean, I... So I, I'm just making that point about the, the broader challenge we have, the fact that your government is allowing or letting the rest that were completed under... A certain regime over the, the years past to rot away, and you're spending money on Agenda 111, which is not even complete. Open the rest, why not? I'm saying we've not been able to mention any, any one of them. I'm not denying that, but I'm okay. saying if we were able to mention the area where this hospital is being cited, then of course we'll be able to know the speed of work over there. But government wants to ensure that in every district, see, sometimes it's difficult. Trader, for example, when you live at Trader, and you want to assess Confanochi. If you go through uh, Pechi, I mean, if you go through Brofedu, Kokobain, the traffic alone, if someone has an emergency and you want to transport the person from trade, they're going through Kokobain, Santase, run about to Confanochi. I'm sure it will be terrible because the traffic situation is worse. That's why government wants to ensure that in every district of which there is no district hospital, government will have to put up one hospital over there so that it will reduce the traveling time. You wouldn't have to travel far and wide to assess these hospitals. And the employment opportunities, this, I mean, Agenda 101 will come with are so huge.
providing opportunities for doctors, nurses, caterers, and a lot more. And so, what timeline do you have? So opening the pre-existing ones which have not been commissioned. That, that's the question. Yeah, so I wish you could make... Is it that you don't have a fine no, you timeline on, on, on when you intend no. to open some of these other facilities that, other that faci- may have, yes, may have been completed? Yes, but able to mention the facilities. I'm also yeah. interested because yes. I'm from the Ashanti region. Okay. Yeah, so I wish I could know. I, well, well, I'm uh, sure my producers so will just get that. So that you. It's, it's we'll one of the hospitals, yes. Mm-hmm. Up to see mm-hmm. if indeed the facility has been completed. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, we need to commission. Mm-hmm. We'll see how best we'll be able to. For instance, there's the military hospital that's being built in. in, in is it the, uh, the Fari? Or is that, is that the name of, of the facility, yes. for instance? That one, for instance, was started way before the Agenda 111. You still not tackle that hospital, for instance. So I'm trying to make the point that there are projects before and yet you haven't dealt with them. Yes, and I'm, I'm saying that, you see, the aim of government is to ensure yes. that every project, whether it's completed or mm-hmm. not, will be able to work on it very fast. I mean, when, when the structures are being completed, the installations alone is, is, is quite huge and it's capital intensive mm-hmm. as well. And so if there is a thing of the sort, I'm sure the health service and the Ghana Infrastructure Fund and mm-hmm. the government at large is aware and will move in with speed to ensure we are able to bring in more equipment. But for now, you don't have any plans of opening these hospitals? I mean, once we're able to put in more equipment mm-hmm. into the hospital, yes. we're able to open it. So that's what government is looking at to ensure that if indeed the Afari hospital is being completed, mm-hmm. we'll look at ways in which we'll be able to bring in more hospital equipment. Right. To open but, but you don't have a plan now to say, okay, we'll open pre-existing ones. There's no timeline for that. What I'm saying is that once a hospital has been built, yes. the aim of this government mm-hmm. is to ensure that we are able to bring in more equipment to see the hospital running, to serve the needs of the Ghanaian people. And so if that is done, government is working hard at it to ensure that very soon we'll be able to open the hospital. Mm-hmm. Okay, then. Grateful uh, that you've been able to spend some time with us. And uh, we know now that the pharmaceutical uh, industry relies on certain uh, materials known as uh, some sort of uh, recipients uh, for formulates drugs as well. Unfortunately, these materials are um, mostly imported and, uh, of course, they uh, are very necessary for the industry. There's more in this report for you. Completing a bachelor's degree in pharmacy at the Kwame Nkrumah University of Science and Technology, she fell in love with the processes drugs go through before they are made available for consumption. Mariam then took up the field of pharmaceutics, a branch of pharmacy concerned with the formulation and quality analysis of drugs to help her fulfill that desire. She completed both her master's and doctorate degrees in pharmaceutics at KNUST. Because it is reported that um, sub-Saharan African region, we spend about 70 to 90 percent of the budget, the national budget, to import drugs as raw materials or as finished products. And this is seriously affecting us in terms of um, good health and well-being. And so that is one area that my research focuses on, to use naturally um, available, locally available natural polymers as excipients. And so far, so good. It's working. And we are at various stages of development. The other aspects that we are into is quality um, control. Now, there are a lot of substandard and counterfeit or fake medications in the system. And I know the regulatory agencies do a lot of post-market surveillance um, to check the quality of drugs in the ma- on the market. However, it's not enough. 
So one of the key things that we do is that we try our best to do this post-market survey. We pick samples of drugs from pharmacies, from over-the-counter medicine seller shops, and test them to make sure that they are up to standard. One of the earliest works, which was published in the 2012 edition of Asian Journal of Pharmaceutical and Clinical Research, focused on naturally occurring gums as recipients in the pharmaceutical industry, was promising. Professor Mariam and colleagues found that adding cashew gum to paracetamol enhanced the drug's mechanical strength while not hindering how the drug is released in the body. Um, with the local excipients that we are looking into, um, so far we've done an extensive work on okra pectin and it has shown very promising results and so the future is bright actually and one key thing about this research is that you know in Ghana we have seasons for certain food products so like yam and okra and during the bumper season we have them in abundance and we have no way of storing any of it and then in the lean season there's nothing it's all gone bad left to rot on the farms now this research area helps in preventing this post-harvest wastage. So we are not competing with the food industry, no, but the excess products, the pharmaceutical industry is now going to mop it up. So all the excess okra, the excess yam, and other food crops that have pectin that we have extracted, we are going to convert this post-harvest um, wastage into wealth for the farmers and for all those involved and also Eventually, it will lead to reduction in the cost of medications. Mariam L. Bwachejesi is one of the youngest associate professors at the KNUST, some few years shy of 40. She's excited a feat to inspire the next generation of scientists. I'm actually quite humbled. It's a very humbling experience. One of my main aims teaching over the past decade has not been just to impart knowledge to students in the lecture halls, but also to guide and inspire them. And what better way to do this than to show them that it can be done? Reporter for Joy News, Kwesi Debra. Our indications uh, consistent uh, increase in the price of uh, flour and baking products are uh, reducing uh, patronage uh, in some parts of the uh, the Ashanti Regional Capital Kumasi. The price of a bag of flour has uh, shot up from 580 cities in the first quarter of this year to 650 Ghana cities. Some uh, retailers of bread say uh, the size of a loaf has reduced and this has affected the daily uh, sales uh, and profit margins. Love FM's uh, Mona Lisa Frimpong has more. A bag of flour which sold at 580 Ghana cities in the first quarter of this year currently sells at 650 Ghana cities. Prices of other raw materials such as margarine, salt, milk, sugar, eggs have equally shot up. The price hike is pushing most flour users, especially bakeries, out of business. Some bakers say they now use small amounts of some ingredients and essential additives in baking bread. This, they say, has affected the quality of bread on the market. Imagine 
The situation is affecting some consumers of bread who say they now patronize other flour products aside bread. Africa Bungu on a panel, the whole massy. What you say, as I a tick, Mitia Safus Amreno, in Nantifluo, Miko Hokotobi, a ba. What is to do that year? Oh, and that year is a near panel. Panel, a BOBM Kurahini. I don't have any problem with any baker does this because it's very expensive to get a loaf of bread or even a piece of bread, which doesn't make sense because you cannot be chewing the bread like you're chewing, you know, eating something. You need to add something. You need to add something. So you have to complement it with something. So if you, ca- you have to go for a piece of bread or a loaf of bread for 20 cities, 20 cities alone for bread, hello. On the streets of Kumase, retailers say they are recording low sales. According to them, their daily sales of 50 loaves have dwindled to between 25 and 30 loaves of bread. They want government to reduce taxes on raw materials to keep them in business. When I joined the business, it was moving all right. By these days, the business wasn't going all that because they said, like, it was that time it was 12 a 10 city. Now it's 12 city. People are complaining. Sometimes when you take bus, when bus come and take you, then they are going. Somebody say, Oh, how much is the bread? When you say it's 12 city, they'll say they'll be complaining that it's too much because it's 12 city. You say, I'm going to go to the car. 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 I'm going to to Leadership of the Ashanti Flower Users Association tells Love News that despite petitioning government over the excessive hikes in the price of flour, the situation persists. CEO of Matiko Bakery, Equia Friye, and Isaac Ajiman wants government to come to their aid. A twenty twenty nine one hundred and twenty nine koya could do six hundred. Yeah, Cassan Wan a Bible to me a young B a mine by a pim Pimia call Minister of Trade War a crying in a dear say if it last year October and about December no money dear. A price no more want so a born on so a mon Fabian County maintaining standards are be pim say you do January. In tonight, Empire Bonner says, Sunny economical situation is saying in Tinka, by January, Yanka, a Biambati, I see a normal at the Swamai. But since I do a January month, you are increasing in premiums, ah, a cost of hundred and twenty, six hundred and thirty, and since I can say, a six hundred and fifty. For Joy Business, Mona Lisa Frimpon reporting.
asked my husband to resign as uh, the vice president many times. That's according to the wife of former vice president, Matilda Emisaranta, who says there were times her husband uh, was down because of some of the unpleasant things that were said about him. She was speaking in a yet-to-be-aired interview on personality profile. Well, was there a time that you, you told him to actually pull out, resign? Many times. And, and let's have a Many peace. times. Many times. <laughs> Many times. But after I said that, I realized that. But if he pulls out, who would say the kind of things he's saying? Yeah. So he should be there, even if he's not listened to, say it and make the difference. Wow. I believe that even if you are the only person mm -hmm. who's doing the right thing in a place, yep. not just politics, anywhere, yeah. you are the only person, mm -hmm. don't be discouraged. Okay. Stay there and do the right thing, say the right thing, mm. make a difference, mm. and it will impact. Mm. Even if it impacts on one person, you've done your job. And be sure to uh, watch that interview when it airs. We'll bring that to you here on the Joint News Channel. And 12 girls uh, from low-income backgrounds have uh, been equipped to become tech-savvy, having completed a six-week coding course organized uh, by the Surunko Academy. The beneficiaries uh, aged 15, 17, and 25 are now empowered to undertake various risk uh, tasks, actually, in the digital space. We have more for you. A total of 300 girls have so far benefited from the Soronko Academy Digital Skills course, which was launched in the year 2020. The initiative was instituted with the objective to equip girls in basic Microsoft Word. Escuchas ese rugido? Sientes la experiencia de poder? La emoción de la libertad? Ya estás preparado para vivir tu nueva aventura. Nueva Ram 1500, hecha para vivir. Ram es una marca registrada de FCA US LLC. PowerPoint, G Suite, Color Creation, among others. Beneficiaries are expected to be prepared for their digital economy after enrolling for the course. Originally introduced in the wake of the COVID-19 pandemic as a basic literacy project, the Surunko Academic Digital Skills course has developed into an economic empowerment project with focus on job creation. The 12 participants are the last badge of beneficiaries of the project. The Accra Rotarian president, C.C. Bruce Jr., tells us more. We all know um, um, women, women are underrepresented in technology. So the focus of, of this project um, is to train them in coding, what is the foundation of technology. And we also added soft skills to build their confidence in their public speaking and to prepare them for various areas, um, um, any area they want to uh, develop themselves in in future. Chief Executive Officer of Sorunko Academy, Regina Honu, said coding is a new language which everyone must learn. Coding is like any language that you learn and they are the foundations of the language. So anybody can learn to code. I think in today's world, the literacy, the new literacy we have is reading, writing and the ability to code. Because how our world is being more enabled digitally, without that ability, you'll be left behind. Some of the participants shared their experiences. I saw them on LinkedIn 
and I decided I saw this opportunity. So I was like, should I try it? So I, I know nothing about coding. But let me just give it a try because I'm a student from the University of Ghana and scheduling this with my academics is going to be stressful. But like let me give it a try. And it's been amazing on since on the insert of this program. It's been amazing. I've learned a lot. I think that this has been very, very insightful for me, particularly because it was challenging. Because I've always heard about coding, but I didn't know that coding could be easier when you put yourself to learn it, right? So I think that the opportunity given me has given me like the confidence to be able to take on projects and challenge myself to do better all the time. Certificates of coding were presented to the participants. Carrying Obain's report read to you. And 25 schools in the uh, Ashanti region uh, are uh, being, of course, focused on as we talk about the National Science and Maths Quiz, uh, which, of course, is coming up strongly. Uh, we'll tell you about the contest uh, uh, and how it's looking like for the national level. But in the Ashanti region, uh, we know that uh, schools such as Prempe College are uh, gearing up to dethrone Opokuwari School for the bragging rights as the quest to crown a school as the best science school in the region begins today. The three-day contest will see uh, some of the region's best schools slug it out uh, for the academic supremacy. Manuel Bright Kweku has the rest of the story. and sounds as schools qualify for the regional and national championship. 80 schools in the Ashanti region battled it out for one of the 18 available slots for the region. The schools will be joining eight seeded schools from the region to square up in the regional championship. the bragging rights as the champions in the region. But would they pay loyalty to Akata Slopsa and allow the trophy slip them by as the two love birds clash in the contest? What is going to happen? We will slaughter them. We will slaughter them. We will slaughter them. We will kill them. Well, the girls are not the only ones eyeing the trophy. 24 other schools in the region are set to clinch the regional title. While some are fixated on the trophy, others only want to unseat high-grade schools. As for now, I want to unseat either Prempe or Was. His prayers may have been answered as he clashes with Prempe College. highly anticipated contest will be one between the host school Prepper College and T.I. Amidia Senior High School. 
They have a message for the boys from the green market. What is Pempe College, Opokuwari to you? To me, what is Pempe College in Opokuwari? To Amas. I hear your small boys also. What, uh, what are you? They are in kindergarten. <laughs> they are even toddlers to us. Yes. Eh? Actually, yeah, I don't even know what to say. Ten tackles. Ten tackles. There was ten tackles. Ten tackles. Last year, we weren't able to come because of certain reasons. But this year, we are fully prepared. We are, we are fully armed. Kumasi Anglican Secondary School is entering the championship as the highest scoring school from the qualifiers. We are all ordinary people, but our castes are extraordinary person because we have extra strategies for them. We are the brilliant students in Ghana, no doubt about this. We are going to win it pa, 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 seven times. For a number of students, it is time to make a statement for their schools. You know, World Cup, who won? Argentina. They were wearing what? Blue. You get me? Champions League, who won? Man City. They, they were, they, they were, they are just what? This year is our year, and we are also wearing what? And quite a challenge atmosphere as we look up to that Shanti regional contest. But in what uh, many had expected to be a tassel for St. Louis SHS, the ladies uh, from the Louisville pulled a surprise. Uh, and they, by, they did that by trashing uh, their all-boy competitors to qualify for the national tournament. Uh, they beat competition from uh, the Jachi Bramsu SHS, Ajisu SDS, and uh, also Agogo State College uh, with some 65 points. school they just qualified to the national tournament and so far I should say they are the school or the all-female school with the highest points they scored some 65 points as against the other female schools. Slop Sands! Slop Sands! If I should tell you so far you are the best performing female schools in our qualifiers how does this make you feel? Um, we are very happy and we are very glad and our victory today is a testament to the hard work and dedication of our team. Interestingly, Yasantua came here and they struggled a bit to get some points. They, they qualified with some 40 points. You are qualifying with 65 points. When you meet them, are you going to slay them or what? What is going to happen? Hey, what, what, somebody, what is going to happen? We will slaughter them. We will slaughter them. We will slaughter them. We will kill them. You will kill your Yes. 
okay, okay. Contestants, let me find out from you. Your 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 girls are telling me when they meet your Santua girls, just in case at the um, regional championship, they are going to slaughter them, kill them, murder them, massacre them. Yes. What do you have seen? All I have to say, what they are saying is true. And it's true. It's true. And we are just going to take a one contest at a time, and surely we'll get to the top. We will do all we can to be the first females to to like win the NSMQ for the first time in Ghana. For the very first time. Yes. You're going to beat Wesley girls. Yes. You're going to. We will beat Wesley girls, Holy Child, Abri girls, like all girls. All girl schools. Yes. Name, okay. name it. Interestingly, you have your boys at um, Premier College. They are not your boys. They are surrounding you. Are you not so scared that they will beat you when they meet you at the final? So, what message do you have for them? They are standing right here. What message do you have for them? Watch out. We are coming live and calling. Them. Yes. That's simple. Simple. You do it simple. Simple. <laughs> okay. So these are the ladies from St. Louis Senior High School. They say um, they will take the contest gradually and hopefully they will beat any other contender and become the very first school, um, all-female school in Ghana to clinch the national science and math quiz. As we know, we don't have any school, um, any female school getting the trophy. But they are hoping that they will get the trophy and become the first female school in Ghana to clinch the national championship. From here in Kumasi, my name is Emmanuel Wright-Kweku. That's all we have for you in this package of the Paul Simon Blessed Sunga. Thanks for watching. Log on to myjoonline.com. Uh, we do have a number of stories for you there to catch up on. Thanks for watching. Bye-bye. Los mejores viajes nacen en la carretera. Pero este comenzará en tu mente. ¿Escuchas ese rugido? ¿Sientes la experiencia de poder? ¿La emoción de la libertad? Ya estás preparado para vivir tu nueva aventura. Nueva Ram 1500, hecha para vivir. Ram es una marca registrada de FCA US LLC.